Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey guys, you're listening to the Intentionally Inspirational Marketing Talk podcast. Now for your hosts, Jason Wright and Brandy Montambo. Hey, what's going on? Jason Wright here, and this is episode number 187 of the podcast. And I'll tell you, we are uh, certainly living in super strange times. It is uh, March 30th, 2020, so right at the point where I think we all realize coronavirus is getting uh, very serious worldwide and in the U.S. especially. It's really, there's two mindsets that I'm noticing amongst people in general. And this has nothing to even do with business, but there's the opportunists, there's the proactive folks looking for how can I um, better myself in this environment? How can I help others? And then there's the reactives, who I think is probably 95% of people. And I think if you watch too much news and you're on social media too long, it's easy, it's normal to get overwhelmed by the negativity, right? And I think it can, uh, I think that level of negativity can really paralyze people. So I encourage you strongly if you've got time off, if you've got uh, more time that you have control over than you ever had before, use that to your advantage, right? Get some books read, get some books written, uh, go through your marketing and your business uh, with fine tooth comb. Figure out what's working, figure out what's not working. Create that course you've always wanted to create. Uh, why, why not, right? Uh, tomorrow's not promised for any of us ever, so stop squandering the time that you do have. That's the approach that uh, I'm taking personally, and uh, hopefully my words hit you at a time where that's uh, what you need to hear as well, okay? All right, we will get on with the normal podcast now, now that I've uh, got that off of my chest, shared that with you, if you will. Uh, this week, maybe more fitting than ever. This podcast is sponsored by FunnelBuildingForProfit.com. This is uh, honestly my favorite free resource I've ever made. It's uh, five and a half hours of uh, content, video lessons that allow you to learn some skills you may not have now, right? Um, Facebook ads, um, active campaign, click funnels. You can learn how to do some marketing automation for your own company uh, or even use the skills and make money. That's what I do, right? I help people build their marketing and tune in their message and all that good stuff. So this resource is awesome for you. If you've got the time, if you've got the interest, check it out. Funnelbuildingforprofit.com. All right. So this week, um, this podcast has uh, got an awesome guest. Got um, Jonathan Levy on the podcast today. Very cool guy. Incredible company. Big success. Uh, let's check out what Jonathan and I spoke about. What is going on, everybody? Jason right here with another awesome guest for the podcast. I've got Jonathan Levy with me today. Let me tell you what I know about Jonathan. He's a best-selling author, also a podcast host, a keynote speaker, the founder of Superhuman Academy, and he's been featured all over the place. Let's tell you a couple places, Wall Street Journal, Inc., um, Business Insider, and EO Fire, among other places. Jonathan, welcome to the show, man. Thanks so much. Pleasure to be here. Awesome, awesome. So I've uh, read a little bit about your backstory, super interesting, um, really brings you in quickly, which is uh, good copywriting for sure. 
Would you share with us kind of your story of how you got started in entrepreneurship um, all the way back from when you were 13, just with that story up until now, any way you want to go with that? Yeah. So I've been an entrepreneur for as long as I can remember. I've had uh, two job interviews in my life. One was for Togo's and one was for Jamba Juice. Both times I didn't get the job. To be fair, one time I was 30 minutes late to the job interview. Uh, but so I went home and I started a, a multi-million dollar business. Uh, my first kind of forays into entrepreneurship were actually even before I was 13. I was doing web design on the side and DJing parties and you know all kinds of odd little quote unquote companies. But it wasn't until I was uh, 15 and a half that really anything actually started taking off. Uh, I started a luxury car parts business, uh, which is what got me into the Inc. 5000 because it grew uh, faster, I think, than anyone anticipated. And I grew that throughout high school and college, sold it uh, a couple of years after graduating college. And I've just been an entrepreneur ever since. I always like to joke, I've never had a paycheck that I didn't personally sign. Nice. I like that. Very cool. Uh, the 30 minutes late, that's hilarious because that's uh, not really stacking things in your favor, is it? No, definitely not. Definitely not. And I think, you know, a, a lot of the adults around me uh, were entrepreneurs as well. I think I never had a chance to, to fit into the, uh, <laughs> into the normal workforce. So I love that. And it, it's, it's interesting because when I was growing up, I kind of got my first taste when I was about 13 and uh, with entrepreneurship. And uh, I remember wondering, like, you know, I would go to school and I'd look out the window of the bus on the way to school and I would see people, you know, whether it was like home service companies or landscapers kind of doing their own thing. And I'm like, well, why aren't, why aren't they doing everything my parents tell me I need to do? And I noticed that the world was forming workers, but I also realized that there was other people that were, were leading it. And I was like, what, like, what's the difference? Like, how's there a different path that nobody ever talks about around me? I didn't have any entrepreneurs around me and nobody ever presented that as an option. So it's, it's really interesting to, uh, to hear that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Totally. I think entrepreneurship has become a, a lot, a lot trendier than it was 30 years ago. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always say this, I'm just curious to hear what you think about this, but I always say entrepreneurship is not an occupation. It's more of a lifestyle. And so many people, like you say, uh, they, they say they want to do it and you ask them why. And it's like, you know, I want control over my time and my money and that type of thing. And then you talk to people who say that and they really haven't done anything. It's not that they can't, they just, they just want to talk. They, they don't want to actually exhibit effort. You know, what do you, what do you think about that? I call them entrepreneurs. There you, uh, go. you know, it's, it's like, and you know, it's not just entrepreneurship. Like how many of us, I'm guilty of this, right? Right. I want to play the piano better, but I practice like once a month, you know? <laughs> um, so there's a lot of like, you know, there's a lot of aspirational, uh, uh, fields of life, I guess. Um, but entrepreneurship is one of those things like you either, you either are, or you aren't right. And that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that if you have a nine to five, you can't be an entrepreneur. It means like either you, you have created something or you haven't, whether that's a side hustle or otherwise, like it's a pretty binary thing. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and, and yeah, I, I think, you know, <sighs> It is that I, I saw a lot of these entrepreneur types when I went to business school, uh, which is a terrible thing for a serial entrepreneur to do. But I, I thought I'd learned something there that I didn't know. Uh, and I learned a lot of things I didn't know, just not the things that I needed to know. Uh, but I, I met a lot of these people and, and I like to say, you know, they like to tap the glass. Like they like to walk up to the 
the tiger in the cage and tap the glass and be like, oh, so interesting. But they never actually read a book about tigers or they never actually do anything uh, to help tigers, so to speak, or to become a tiger. My metaphor is falling apart. But um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I met a lot of these people. And at the end of the day, it's like, are you, are you going to take that? Every entrepreneur you talk to has that moment of no return, right? That like mm-hmm. that big risk. And, uh, and it's you either take it or you don't, I think. Absolutely. No, I agree with you. And it's, uh, the thing it just, it just makes me, it drives me crazy for other people. Like on their behalf is you'll hear people talk about what they want to do. They'll tap the glass and there's literally nothing stopping them from entering the tiger cage or feeding the tiger, whatever you want to do. And they just don't do it. And you talk to them about it and they acknowledge they don't do it. And it's like, so we're talking about you not doing the thing. Like, what are you, what are you scared of? And they don't really have an answer for that. And it's like, well, like, why haven't you done it? It just, it just blows my mind because one of the things that comes very natural to me is action taking. Most of the people aren't, aren't that way. And I don't understand why, because it doesn't, all the blocks are like in your head. Like, unless you're, if you're in a stone cell or a steel cell, like in, in prison and you can't go anywhere or access anything, like that's one extreme example, but most people aren't in that boat. So there's really nothing stopping you. I just don't understand why people don't just try stuff, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think that I know the reason, right, is, is people think that um, they think entrepreneurs are these big risk takers and, and we take some risks, but every entrepreneur I've ever met takes very calculated risks. Absolutely. So people think, you know, like I, I my first business, I jumped in, invested, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. I've actually never spent more than like $2,500 to start any of my businesses. And I started two businesses that have have reached well into the seven figure marks. Mm -hmm. Each one took about two grand to start, which is crazy. Now, granted that that was different in the 1980s, but today, you know, with technology and, and, and the internet and all these open source frameworks that you can use to get up and running and like, it really doesn't cost a lot to start a business. And, and maybe a lot of that hesitation to get started is leftover stigma from when, I don't know what it was like to start a business in the 70s or 80s. It probably was a big risk, bigger it, risk than it is today for sure. Isn't that crazy when you think about that? So I love what you brought up. So I was born in 81, I'm 38. And I'm assuming you're within 10 years of my age, somewhere in there, right? Yeah, I was born in 87. There you go. So we're, we're children of the same flock, so to speak. But if you think about you and I, if we went back 40 years and just dropped ourselves current age in that time, like we don't, we don't have, I mean, like in our houses right now, in our homes, we have microphones, we have cameras, we have technology that would make NASA lose their mind that, you know, compared to the fifties, there's no better time. And everybody says this, but it's so true. Like there's no better time in, in the history of man to start a business. Like we have so many tools available. It's unbelievable. You know, if you think about these yeah. businesses starting 40, 50 years ago, I mean, you're, you're like, uh, you know, telephone and notepad is like as good as it gets. Really. It's just, it's really right. amazing to think about. You yeah, know, like what, it's what, crazy. You know, it's like what I'm well, doing today, like 10 years ago or maybe even five years ago, I didn't even know this stuff existed. I didn't know what a sales funnel was even a few years ago. I'd never heard of it. <laughs> and it, I, I just had no concept, no idea um, that I would ever discover it or even be doing anything with it. So it's just really interesting. Yeah. And, you know, I, my story is a lot like yours. Like 
I practice what I preach. So my main business right now is all about learning and how do you learn faster so you can meet the challenges of a changing economy uh, and, and world. And six years ago, I knew nothing about podcasts, online courses, writing books, marketing funnels, leading a distributed team, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, today I, I do all of those things and I have all those things and it, it literally is just because I know how to learn and, and I'm able to keep up with, the pace at which I need to grow to grow my business. Let me ask you this. At, at what point in the last six years did you go, oh man, these things are out there and they can help me and I need to be able to learn faster or better? Like what was kind of that pivotal point for that? Yeah, I, I wish there were one big moment. Um, you know, for my entire childhood and life, uh, I struggled with learning a lot and I could learn okay out of school, but in school, I was just not learning well and and I was behind other students it led to depression and and really bad social situation and and then I guess if there was a turning point moment it was where I met someone who was trained in speed reading and memory and accelerated learning techniques and it was just like it was like the first time I ever met a real human being that had superpowers I was just like oh my god like what else can I, can you do and what else can be done and and uh and that was a turning point moment because I was just like, I need to be able to do what this guy can do. Mm -hmm. uh, so I actually hired him and his wife to tutor me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that was the start of this journey down the rabbit hole, as they say, of, of learning more about learning and learning more about how to optimize the human experience. Because obviously, what's the first thing you're going to do if you were the kid who never fit in? It's like, figure out how to be the kind of person you want to be. And and do the kind of things you want to be able to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It, it seems like we live in a, um, an age of, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of courses out there. There's a lot of people understanding the value of info products. Uh, just kind of a general question for you. I was thinking about this. Uh, do you think that a person needs to teach before um, they can learn at their optimal kind of level? Well, I think there's a there's an element of balance, right? Because if you don't know the material, at least somewhat, you can't teach it. But I do think in order to reach mastery, you have to teach. I mean, you, you have to. Gotcha. Uh, because until you've tried to teach something, you don't know what you don't know. And I, I talk about this a lot in, in my latest book, The Only Skill That Matters, that you know, one of the best ways that we can learn is testing and self-testing is, is just as good, right? Because you test your knowledge, you poke holes in it. But most of us are never going to go out there and look for exams. Like once we get out of school, we're so done with that. Um, and, and much less are we going to design exams for ourselves. And that's the beauty of teaching. When you teach something, you essentially recruit other people to poke holes in your knowledge and, and figure out what you don't know. They're asking questions. They're, you know, they're expanding your knowledge as you go along. Mm -hmm. So tell me a bit about um, Superhuman Academy. It's a, it's a cool name. Uh, tell us Thank kind of you. about that at a high level. I, I'm really curious to hear more about it. Yeah, so Superhuman Academy is a kind of a unified brand for everything that we do, whether that is our, our podcast, which has about 4 million downloads now, I think. Wow, congrats, uh, man. Books. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
uh, books, online courses. Uh, we've got a couple membership groups as well. So it's really uh, the place where we coordinate all the different educational materials, free and paid, that we put out there to try and help people optimize the human experience. I always like to say that we are in the business of maximizing human potential. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and Superhuman Academy is where we do it. Very nice. So as you were kind of building that brand, was there ever one big moment or maybe multiple moments where you thought, you know what, this, this might not work out. Like this thing might fall apart. Hmm. On me. Oh man, there's so many of those moments. It's like all the time. Any entrepreneur who, who looks like they have it figured out, I promise you they don't have it figured out. And, and I know this because I, I've been through this business fortunate enough to meet a lot of the people who... I think a lot of people look up to, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I've met billionaires and thought leaders and authors and business gurus. And they just have, they have problems just like you and me and, and everyone listening. They just have better problems, right? Yeah. So like my problems are like, hey, which, you know, which tax jurisdictions are most beneficial to, court, you know, headquarter my business? And where can I hire employees that are going to have the most skills? And on and on and on and on, right? Yep. Whereas, uh, you know, someone else's problems may be, how am I going to get my first customer? There's still problems. <laughs> yeah. You still have these problems. So uh, one pivotal moment for me when I, I wasn't sure what I wanted or, or if it was going to work or if this is what I should be doing was when I made the leap. So this business started as a side business. Mm -hmm. um, I put, a, put up a course online learned everything I could in a, in a week or two about online courses and how to create them and how to market them and, uh, and put it up online and it, it just blew up as, as a product of, of really learning what it takes to make a successful online course. And then I kept looking for the next big venture and the next big idea and the way that I was going to, you know, make an impact. Um, and it wasn't for about two years that I finally realized like, okay, this, this might actually be a full-time thing for me. Um, and I remember this moment where I was talking to a friend and I was like, oh, well, you know, we could do this. We could put the course up on, on you know, Udemy, which is a course marketing website. And he goes, yeah, forget Udemy. And I go, don't you make like 80 grand a year on Udemy? He goes, yeah, but that's, that's nothing. Like, I'm like, what do you mean? That's nothing. He goes, well, my, my, premium stuff on my site goes for 10 times that or four times that or 40 times that or whatever it was at the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I go, yeah, but how many people actually buy it at that price? He goes, I don't know, 8,000 or so a year. And I'm oh, just boy. Like, oh boy. Like I am really, and my first reaction was like, I don't need that kind of money and I don't want to do the work to get that kind of money because yeah. we were talking about like millions of dollars here. Yep. And, uh, and I was just like, I don't want to do the work. I, I sold my last business cause I couldn't scale it. I'm not a good manager. Like I, I just like this little side business, but then it kept me up at night and I was like, what, what other cool things could I do for my customers if I was charging what I was worth and not $10 for entry level products, you know? Yeah. Um, it's like, it's like an author, New York Times bestselling author, for example, deciding, you know what? I'm actually going to start doing workshops. Like it's a lot more work. You have to market yourself and you have to do so much more as opposed to just letting the publisher do all the work for you. But think of the transformations that Tony Robbins has been able to do by actually doing workshops and, and seminars and, and getting, oh, yeah. like, getting to people. So it took me a long time to, to finally accept like, all right, fine, I'm going to do this. 
And, uh, and it was a lot of work, man. It was a lot of work. And there were a lot of times, a lot of days, a lot of nights. There still are times where I'm like, was that the worst Faustian bargain of all time? Because <laughs> it is so much more work, but we've been able to do so much more and impact so many more people. So yep. I think also I would probably have gotten bored cashing checks for years on end, you know, without, without doing anything to earn it. Absolutely. So what do you think about the, the growth of Superhuman Academy? Um, is there any particular approach to marketing that's kind of been uh, best for you or most enjoyable or most impactful for you? I'm just curious. Yeah, well, that's a tough one because our marketing's in transition. We had a really killer funnel in 2017 that spoiled the hell out of us. Yep. <laughs> we would put in $1 and we would get 3 to $4 back. Nice. Within ninety to one hundred and twenty minutes. I mean, can you imagine? Whoa, like, what? Yeah, if, if you if you had a money printing machine, and then we spent two years trying to get the money printing machine working again before revisiting, like, hey, maybe it's our, you know, the the machine broke down along around the time Cambridge Analytica happened, and a lot of changes on Facebook ads and yep. any other things, right? Yep. But. uh you know, we spent two years trying to get the, get the same machine to work instead of asking like, maybe, maybe we need to change the machine. Maybe we need to change the pricing. Maybe we need to change the product and the approach. So, uh, our marketing's still in flux. We're lucky. We have a really large audience. So, you know, we come out with new products, we send a few emails and, and that kind of sustains the business and, and, and does pretty well for us. Mm-hmm. But, uh, we still have not cracked this, this marketing funnel component. Yep. A couple of things you just said I really like. One is uh, I really want people to pay attention to this. Marketing is, is uh, comprised of variables and there's variables mm-hmm. that change out of our control all the time. One monster being Facebook, you know, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of buzzwords kind of in the industry and what's, you know, got everybody's attention today may not in two years. So um, things always require tweaking and optimization. So that's, that's one thing that's key because I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs that, uh, sometimes I don't even have a business and they think if I build a funnel, I'll become rich, but they don't understand like you still need like a product and or a service. You know what I mean? <laughs> so a funnel yeah. is an asset that can help an existing business build a list and scale and create engagement and all that kind of stuff, but it's not a business by itself. So I, I like that. The other thing I said is uh, that you said subtly that I really liked is the list. I mean, I, I talk about the power of the yep. list all the time and that's nothing new. What has email been around for like 25 years now? There's still mm-hmm. people I talk to that have never started building a list. It's like, like, what do you, what else do you need to hear and see to take that really seriously? But I love what you yeah. said. We can create new products for our audience and we have a strong enough following that the power of the list is still there. We still have that, uh, that left mouse button to, to send when we need to and give them value and keep things rolling, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what I always tell. I mean, I teach a course on how to create a knowledge products business called Branding You Academy. And I always tell people like, you may think that your knowledge and your products are your most valuable asset, but they're not. They have a lifetime. Yep. Whereas your list and really what it is, is it's, it's your brand's capital, right? It's how you maintain the trust of these hundreds of thousands of people worldwide we we recently discovered this when we launched a uh, a coaching program which was far and away the most expensive thing we've ever sold uh, you know and 
And we thought, I don't know, the, the night before I actually decreased the price by 40%. I was like, I don't know if anyone's going to buy this. And it was still the most expensive thing we've ever sold. Wow. But uh, we had a list of 89 people apply for 20 spots. And that nice. just drove home what I had known for years, yep. which was it's all about brand equity and the relationship we've built with all of these people who trust us and trust when I say this coaching program is going to rock and I'm going to put every, every ounce of effort I need to into it to make sure it rocks. Yep. Um, that, that's really valuable. Absolutely. Uh, this is interesting because I'm really curious here. We have to think about this, but I just had this thought. So um, once upon a time, quick story for you, I worked at a place called CarMax. Are you familiar with CarMax by chance? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So for anybody listening who's not, you go and you pick out a car, you pay the price on the car. There's no haggling. It's more of a retail experience. Well, I hadn't been there long. This guy came in, beautiful day, and he was in uh, good mood. He's like, hey, I'm looking for a midsize SUV, four-wheel drive. Um, I've got a wife and two kids. And here's kind of my price point. And uh, I said, okay, cool. Let's, let's start looking at Ford Explorers and Jeeps because that kind of fits everything you said. It's like, all right. Soon as we go out there, those were to the left. He makes a hard right. And I'm like, wait, where's this guy going? So I got up there. I was like, where are you going? He's like, I want to go to the Range Rovers. I said, okay, why? And at CarMax, the uh, commission on a vehicle sale for, for me was the same, no matter what they bought. Mm -hmm. So I didn't care. But I was kind of fascinated. He said, well, I want to look at Range Rovers. I know what I just told you. He said, I want, to, I want to look at them because they're more expensive. And I was like, what, what do you mean? Like the other vehicles meet all your needs. What are you, what are you talking about? He's like, they're more expensive. And I was just kind of looking at him. I mean, he was a well-dressed guy. And I said, okay, so you want to pay more money? He's like, yeah. And I was like, why? He said, because everybody else knows they're more expensive too. I was like, what is this guy talking yeah. about? But it's, it's fascinating because people are, and I'm not saying everybody, but a lot of people are interested in expensive things. And that's not just like watches and cars, but it's even coaching programs and services. And there's like this subconscious value that um, kind of our society adds to expensive things. And it's really interesting when you take it into the world of info products and what we're talking about, mm -hmm. because a lot of times, yeah, we'll price something. We'll be like, nobody will ever pay that. But there's a different buyer that's attracted to that high price stuff that you may have never known was even lurking and watching you. It's really interesting. Yeah. Have you noticed some of that too? Yes. And I mean, when we were selling our masterclass, obviously it wasn't as good as it is today. We're always improving it and, and everything. We were selling it for $199. I was blown away that people would pay. It's now $997 and people are still buying it. Yep. Um, and you know what I realized is we as entrepreneurs make the mistake of pricing what we would pay, but we don't have the problem. It's Ooh, like, you know, if you already have, yeah, if you already have you know, 10 sets of black pants, like what is your willingness to pay for another set of black pants? It's nothing. Nothing. Right. Whereas if I don't own any pants, period, <laughs> probably willing to pay a lot of pants, a lot of money for pants, man. Um, and that's exactly the thing, right? Like I don't have a problem where I can't learn and remember things fast enough. It's just, it's not a problem that I have. I don't even remember what it was like when I had that problem. I mean, I do, but it's been a long time. Uh, so my willingness to pay is very low. You know, what you just said may be my favorite quote of the year. And here we are in December 26th <laughs> of 2019 because it's super powerful. And I'm just going to say it again so I can hear it. But 
you, you shouldn't price your stuff based on what you're willing to pay for it. It's based on the person that has the need, man. That's uh, that's life altering, my friend. Oh, I'm really glad. I'm sure I heard it from someone else. No, but I mean, it's just like (laughs) the timing of it for me personally, that's powerful. You know, one thing I think about sometimes it's uh, kind of in the same realm, but I, I like what you said even better is I think of for, for my business and everybody's business is different. Uh, I think of selling to a former version of myself. You know, if mm, I was talking sorry. to myself from two years ago, how could I have sped up my timeline? Because I wasted about 18 months in this business, not really making any money, not really understanding what the hell I was trying to do. I was like, I, I don't really know mm-hmm. what I'm doing. And um, no, that's just uh, super interesting stuff. So I love that. Um, we're talking about all kinds of stuff here. Um, where do you think that most entrepreneurs get this stuff wrong? You know, whether it's the, uh, the marketing or the business building or the, the learning aspect, I mean, you can kind of pick whatever you like, but, uh, people get all this stuff wrong all over the place. But where do you think most people get this totally. stuff wrong? Yeah, I think Eric Reese articulated it really nicely. Like if you just listen to what people want and you you do the work correctly, right? Because I even after learning about the lean startup, I've made mistakes and I've I've done the customer interviews wrong and I've swayed things the way that I wanted them to go. But if you genuinely listen to what your customers want, if you genuinely understand their need, and then you just build that, you're in pretty good shape. Where most entrepreneurs, I think, go wrong is they get an idea and then they build their idea. They build their baby. It's like any entrepreneur will tell you, like, this is not the company that I wanted to build, right? Yeah. And and it's the company my customers wanted and they're the ones that pay. <laughs> and, and that doesn't mean, like, I don't love what I'm doing, right? But, like, I wanted to do, my last startup, I wanted to do this really cool thing around, like, corporate social giving and getting advertising departments to participate in large-scale giving campaigns, basically, for publicity and marketing. Mm -hmm. And it turns out, like, that was a non-starter. So so this is the company I built, right? Because people kept asking me. So I think my advice to entrepreneurs is, is really make sure that you're scratching an itch. Yeah. It's, it's smart. I, my wife, uh, a year ago, actually this week, a year ago, she's like, uh, you need to be looking for a job. Cause I don't think this thing you call your business is sustainable. And I was just talking to her about it last night and she's like, uh, no, you're not, you're not going anywhere. But it's interesting because I used to, like you said, I would build all these, all these courses and these products based on what I thought people needed. But then I realized just from paying attention to everyday life, mm-hmm. people buy what they want not what they need. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you ask the people you want to work with, or you pay attention to what people are complaining about, they'll, they'll tell you. But I, I felt like maybe I was like, you know, I, surely it can't be this easy. Surely I, I've got to figure something out that no one's thought of. Like, you're not going to, there's not too many people who are going to invent a new wheel these days. I mean, a lot of stuff's out there. You don't necessarily need to create anything new. You just have to put your, your flavor on it and, and build your tribe with it. So interesting stuff, yeah. man. Um, I'd love to, I think there's a lot of value with the memory and the the learning and stuff we've talked about a little bit as well. Um, I'd love to get three tips from you for anybody listening that might want to say, you know, I'd love to be able to improve my memory and maybe increase my learning effectiveness. What would you tell them? Yeah, it's really, really important that you do three things. So I'm glad you asked for three pictures, connections, location. 
we know a lot about the way our memories work today. We don't know everything. There's still a lot for us to learn, but we know that our brains work better with pictures. So if you have always grown up thinking you're an auditory learner, just know that there's an even better way for you to learn. And it's, it's, you actually have, I joke with people that we say, gosh, I wish I had a photographic memory. And I say, congrats, you do. You just don't know how to use it yet. So the first thing is learning how to turn anything you want to remember, whether that's names, faces, numbers, Bible verses, speeches, anything. You learn how to turn those into visualizations. The next one is connections. Our brains remember what is connected to the things we already know. That's how it determines importance. Hmm. So you link those pictures to as many other things that you already know as possible. And then the final one to really master your memory, again, on one foot here, is locations. So part of our evolutionary wiring is that we remember locations better than anything. And so at advanced levels of improving your memory, many of your audience listeners have probably heard about the memory palace if they've ever seen Sherlock Holmes or, or anything like that. That's a real thing. And, uh, and it's been used for 2,500 years to take those visualizations that are hopefully connected to all the things that you know and connect them to something that you know really well, which is your house, your office, your childhood home, your gym, all these different locations and organize your memories in a way that you will know how to find them basically. And, and this is actually when people talk about a stroll down memory lane, mm-hmm. this is where that came from. This is a, an ancient technique that it has been used since ancient Greece and is now used by every single world champion and world record holder in the field of memory. Very nice. Thank you for that, man. That's good stuff. Not bad on, on one foot, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Not bad at all. So Jonathan, as you look into maybe the first six months of 2020, what's next for you? What are you working on? Oh, that's a really great question. Right now we're working on implementing EOS, uh, you know, traction EOS, entrepreneurial operating system in my business, because I am not a manager. I'm an okay leader. I'm a terrible manager. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I really, uh, I, I really need to get out of the kind of like main leadership, um, of the of the business and work towards uh, rediscovering my visionaryness, if that's a word. Yep, I Being more of a visionary and, and not being bogged down by how am I actually going to get our team to do this successfully. Gotcha. That makes sense. And let me ask you, if somebody listening uh, would like to learn more about you or your company, what's the best way they could do so? Yeah, I would love for people. So I've got three URLs for people. Uh, One is superhumanacademy.com. That's around learning and memory. And you can even check out my latest book. Uh, Jonathanalevy.com. That's Levy with an I is where you can reach out to me if you're interested in consulting about building a business uh, or coaching or something like that. And then if you're interested in building a knowledge business, uh, doing online courses and podcasts, check out brandingyou.academy. Very nice. Well, Jonathan, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Um, Interesting conversation. Yeah, super unique. And I love the direction that it went. Awesome. Likewise. Yep. Thanks. What is going on? We are back to the show. Jonathan, thank you for your time and attention, my friend. Um, Great talking to you and great tips. And if anybody listening would like to check out the show notes for this episode, you can go to intentionallyinspirational.com forward slash episode 187. Guys, I appreciate the the listen and um, no video with this podcast here, so nothing on YouTube for this episode, but 
Um, appreciate the attention and appreciate you listening and uh, love to get any feedback from you. One of the better, newer places to go is to check out our Facebook group, which is also called Funnel Building for Profit. And it's just uh, people learning how to build funnels. We've got some great entrepreneurs there, regular discussions there that are really nice and upbeat and uh, love to see you there. So appreciate your ear as always. Catch you next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of the show. To keep up with everything that we're doing, please visit intentionallyinspirational.com. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out our video podcast on YouTube. See you next time.